Well, hi, welcome to The Christian Contrast, where we talk about how walking with Jesus leads us to live differently than those in the world around us. Um, and typically, we put out episodes of The Christian Contrast every two weeks, but I wanted to do a special episode this week, which is an off week for um, the podcast, uh, to talk about Israel. Um, and the recent attacks in Israel, and this is all over our news feeds, all over our social media feeds, lots of conversations happening about it. Um, I, I want to talk about this. Uh, I, I'm certainly not going to say everything that could be said about this. I, I really want to talk about three things. I want to talk about the attacks themselves a little bit. I want to talk about Israel as a nation and sort of how as Christians we might think about Israel as a nation. And then I want to talk about us as believers in Jesus, and how we respond to world events. Um, so, so those three simple things. And um, I, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about the attacks because my purpose in this episode is not to sort of give the play-by-play. -play. You can find plenty of news stories that walk through what happens. But um, on Saturday, October 7th, Israel was attacked by Hamas terrorists. And, and I'll use the word terrorist because this, this was not a military strike. Um, there, there were, I think, some military areas that were targeted, but this was mostly targeting civilians. Um, babies were killed. Uh, people were kidnapped. Families were I mean, th this was a horrific, horrific terrorist attack. And, uh, and part of why I wanted to spend a minute just talking about this is I, I think um, there's a tendency that we have and it's not always bad, but there's a tendency that we have in our culture um, to, to sort of immediately try to say that when there's a conflict going on, both sides are kind of equally at fault. Um, so I, I think you did see this in, in a lot of people talking about this news story right away to say, well, well yeah, well, what Hamas did was bad, but man, what Israel has done. And uh, I, I think that that can be debated out. I, I don't... Um, I don't agree with sort of an equal share of guilt or um, or sort of evil in the overall scope of all of this. But I, I think that as believers, we have the opportunity to just look at something and say, this is evil. This was evil. We, we have the ability to make moral judgments. Um, and I don't know how much of this is based on our idea of saying, all right, well, Jesus said not to judge, so I'm not going to judge, so I'm just going to kind of treat things as equal. Um, Jesus was not saying that we don't make uh, value judgments, that we don't make uh, sort of moral judgments. We do make moral judgments. What he was basically talking about in the passage where he talks about not judging is he talks about not holding people to a standard different than we hold ourselves. Because in that same passage, he talks about the idea of um, getting the uh, log out of your own eye before you get the splinter or the piece of sawdust out of your neighbor's eye, which means that you're making a judgment about the fact that your neighbor has a piece of sawdust in their eye. We, we make moral judgments. Now, once again, that doesn't mean that we immediately wish all the perpetrators to go straight to hell. Um, but what it does mean is that we look at something and we say, this is true evil. This is evil in the world. What happened was evil. And we can have great compassion on, on those who are suffering. And one of the main things, I, in fact, for most of us, I think the main thing that we should do in response to this is to pray. Um, we have this compulsion to post. I'll, I'll talk more about this later, but to post and sort of stand up and say what's right, that doesn't necessarily help anyone. Most, most of us are not in a position where we're actually influencing policy in any way. So a prayer is an appropriate response. Praying for the those who are in need of comfort, praying for those who are currently kidnapped, 
praying for those, and, and this is where I think we can talk about both Israel and Gaza, praying for the non-combatants that are in harm's way, because Israel, of course, responded um, to Gaza, which is, is basically run by Hamas. But there are clearly lots of non-combatants who are getting injured or getting killed in Gaza as a result of this. Um, I'll spend a minute just talking about this because some people have kind of jumped right to, you know, hey, what Israel did to, to Gaza was no different. Um, it, it is different. And, and here's how it's different just for us to think through from sort of a, a moral standpoint. Um, what Hamas did is they specifically targeted non-combatants. What Israel did was look to respond and in the wake of that, there is collateral damage to combatants. Israel even often did warning shots that they were about to bomb, but Hamas likes to use human shields. And so because of that, now, once again, in this, you, you could say, well, Israel still shouldn't have done it. What, what was the moral thing to do? It's complicated because it would be very difficult for a nation to not respond in some way in order to protect themselves. And at the same time, we shouldn't shrug our shoulders to the idea of just saying, hey, children who are non-combatants are collateral damage. So as believers, I think on the one hand, there's not a need for us to equivocate and just to say, hey, Israel, Palestine, Israel, Hamas, it's, it's all kind of the same. It's, it's not the same, and we don't have to pretend it's the same. And at the same time, if somebody is heartbroken and compassionate for the non-combatants in Gaza who are affected by this, that, that is not them somehow compromising in any way. That's them just having compassion. So we should have compassion. We can also make moral judgments. There's nothing wrong with us making moral judgments about what's right and wrong. God has given us his word. We're supposed to be wise. We're supposed to be able to discern those things. So so that's what I have to say about the attacks. Not much else. Um, the second thing that I want to talk about, and this will probably be the main section, is just talking about Israel as a nation, because I think here's what goes on. Um, it, there are often events that happen halfway around the world, and we, we become aware of them, and maybe we make a judgment, maybe we change our you know, social media status to, to somehow reflect that. But with Israel, it is different for us as Christians, and that's because Israel's story is a part of our story. Like we open our Bibles and we're reading about Israel. Right now, many of us are reading through the Gospels and we're reading about the nation of Israel. And so there's an appropriate sense in which we feel connected to the nation of Israel. Their history is a part of our story. And even if we're not ethnically Jewish, which I, I'm half Jewish, my father is Jewish, um, ethnically, uh, we, we still feel this connection. And it's appropriate to say, hey, in a sense, their story is our story, even if we're non-Jewish by ethnicity, because we are the people of God. We're dealing with the God who brought them out of Egypt and then sent his son in order to die for all of our sins. So there's a togetherness with Israel that I think that we can feel, and I think that that's fully appropriate. Um, now, there's debate amongst Christians about the future role of national Israel. And the, the debate goes something like this. Um, one group of Christians will say, God made promises to national Israel that even though now Gentiles have been brought in and we have the church, those promises to national Israel still will be kept. And there still is a future for national Israel. Um, there's others who will say, well, no, 
God's people are God's people. We as the church basically are the new Israel, Jews and Gentiles combined. Many of the first believers were Jewish and Jews and Gentiles together in this new family. And so any promises that were sort of made to national Israel are just are wrapped up in the church now and we inherit those promises. Um, this debate is a totally legitimate debate. Um, it, there are some debates that, that we talk about where people will say, well, Christians disagree on these things. And it's like, yeah, but there is a clear, right, biblical answer on this. On this one, I, I, I will share my leaning on this, but, but what I want to say is if you hear somebody saying, hey, I, I don't think that there is any special status for national Israel today, that is not them abandoning the Bible. Um, you, you can think that they're incorrect, but that is not them somehow compromising a major biblical doctrine. This is a legitimate debate that goes on amongst Christians. I will say that I am of the belief that there is a future for national Israel. Um, I think that this is pointed towards consistently, not just in the Old Testament and in passages like, you know, they'll, they'll look on the one whom they've pierced, but in the New Testament. Um, I think that there's a lot in the book of Revelation that points towards the idea of something significant happening in national Israel. I think that there's other passages that point toward this as well, that, that there is a distinction between the church and the promises that we inherit as the people of God and national Israel and the idea that there still is a unique plan and a unique way that they factor in to God's overall plan for the world. Um, but I already mentioned a couple passages. I'll, I'll just read one extended passage on this that I think does lay this out in, in one of the most clear ways um, that it can. So this is from Romans 11. Um, in Romans 11, the Apostle Paul talks about the idea that Gentiles have been grafted into the tree, sort of the, the unnatural branches have been grafted in amongst the natural branches, the, the Jews, because um, the Jew, most of the early believers were Jews before the message went out to the Gentiles. Um, so the Apostle Paul writes this, I'll read uh, Romans 11, starting in verse 25 and reading through verse 32. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles come in. Um, now I'll, I'll read the rest in a moment, but I just wanna pause there and say, Paul says, They've experienced a hardening in part. And then he says, until. And I think that alone is pointing toward the idea that it's not always gonna be this way with Israel. There's something special that God has in mind. Right now there's a hardening. The Gentiles are coming in. He talks earlier in the passage about the idea that, that um, he's stirring the nation of Israel to jealousy through the Gentiles. And this is, it, it, it's a difficult concept for us to get but it's one of the ways that God is at work drawing Israel to himself. Um, but I think there's indications right away that this is what's going on right now, but it's not always gonna be this way. So he goes on. He says, and in this way, all Israel will be saved. <clears throat> As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you, who were at one time disobedient to God, have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. 
Um, now, as I said before, I, I think that there's a legitimate debate about this. There is a way to read the passage I just read and conclude that there's not a future for national Israel. But I'm going to say, I think it's tough. I think it's tough to do. Uh, now, what precisely is that future for national Israel? I, I think the best way to understand it probably is a future national revival where people come to faith in Jesus. There are Jewish Christians in the world. I mentioned my dad. My dad is one of them. He's ethnically Jewish, but he's a believer in Jesus. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, he's one of them. He says, hey, I, I, I'm a Jew, and yet I'm a believer. Um, I, I think that this is pointing towards a future time when there's going to be a mass coming to Christ amongst people in the nation of Israel, and that that's something that we can look forward to in God doing. So when I say that, I do think that there's a, a legitimacy to us looking at Israel and saying there's something special, there's something unique. This isn't just some other nation. This is a nation that God has worked through in profound ways throughout history, and it, no Christian should deny that. And that I think that there's strong indication that it's a nation that he's going to work through in a special way that, that Israel is going to have a significant role in the future. Now, with that said, how should we look at Israel today? Well, Israel is a nation where, on the whole, we read in the Gospels, the nation of Israel did not receive their Messiah. Now, some did, you know, Peter and Paul and these apostles and the early believers. So, so some did, but the way that Paul puts that in Romans 11 is that there's, there's a largely disobedient nation and there's a remnant of believers. And he relates this to the fact that this happened many times throughout Israel's history. If you read through the Old Testament, there were times where the nation as a whole really was in rebellion and disobedience against God, but there was always a remnant. There was always a collection of people who were faithful during that time. And Paul indicates that's how we should think of this now. There, there is a faithful remnant who's received the Messiah that God sent for them, but the nation as a whole is in disobedience. Um, now, it, the, this isn't to single Israel out from a bunch of other nations that are not sort of as a whole, observing Christ or receiving Christ. But it does mean that we can look at Israel and say, it, it would be unwise um, for us to look at Israel and say, because Israel is Israel, it means that we have to sort of defend any action that they take, and we never could think that they would be wrong in, in anything. That would not be a proper conclusion. I think that there can be great wisdom in us saying we want our nation to be a supporter of Israel. You know, you go back to Genesis 12, where Abraham was called and the whole idea of, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. There's many that look at that and say, we, we should look to be a blessing to Israel. I agree. I think we should be looking to be a blessing to nations in general, but I think that there's legitimacy to saying, I, I think we really should look to be a blessing to Israel. But this also means that if, if Israel as a whole is in disobedience to God, it's not going to be surprising that there's going to be times that Israel as a whole, as a nation, is making decisions that we as Christians don't have to affirm. We can say, well, no, that was bad that that happened, or it's bad that they have this practice, or that this is an unjust thing that they're doing. That is fully acceptable for us to do. That's not somehow a betrayal to God. Now, again, that, that doesn't mean we're looking to sanction an attack on them. This just means that it is not disloyal to God or disloyal to Israel in some way, if we feel a sense of loyalty to Israel, to say when something's right and when something's wrong. So are we treating Israel just like any nation? 
I argue no, we don't treat Israel just like any nation. And at the same time, we don't become apologists for Israel in a way of never being able to recognize if there's something wrong going on. Um, now, now, I just want to throw this in here also. If, if you're looking at this and, and you're saying, all right, maybe I'm, I'm not convinced that, that Israel does factor in in a specific way. Um, I just want to say, I think that it's striking how much conflict and animosity there constantly is surrounding Israel and surrounding the Jewish people. And by the estimates I've seen, there's somewhere around 16 million Jewish people on the planet. I mean, 8 billion people, that is not a big number. And Israel is not a big territory. It is not a big country. And yet there is constantly so much conflict. They're, they are so central to so many of the conflicts going on. And there are consistently people that don't just want to defeat them, but that want to eradicate them. Hamas in their charter wants to eradicate Jews from the earth. That brings us back to just like 80 years ago when the Nazis were looking to eradicate the Jews from the earth. I, I just want to throw out that I, I think that there is something spiritual to the animus that Jewish people get, considering the relatively small nature of their population and of their nation. It doesn't seem like they should be this major of a focal point. I think that there is something spiritual at work here and something spiritual going on here. And so I think that it's appropriate for us as believers in Jesus to say, we want to pray for Israel. We want to pray for Israel's salvation. We want to pray for God to do great things in Israel. And I think that there's also validity to us saying, in a special way, we want to be a blessing to Israel because it seems that God has a special place in his heart of how he's going to work through the nation of Israel. So that's what I have to say about Israel. The last section, I, I just want to say something about us as believers. And what I want to say is, um, I think that we need to have some more serious thought about how we engage with international issues. Um, and, and so that may, maybe the most obvious thing to say, which some of you may assume that I'm about to say is, we don't need to act like we know what we're talking about all the time with these things. Um, if, if there's an earthquake that happens, if there's a war that breaks out, because we find out about things now that in past ages we wouldn't have known about, or at least we wouldn't have known about for a long time, we, we somehow also feel like we've got to speak, I, I, I got to post about this, I got to choose a side. Um, I, I think that, first of all, we've got to have the humility to say, many of us know just enough to get us in trouble, and we would be wise to hold off on making conclusive judgments on international issues. But, but the second and the more substantive thing that I want to say is this. Um, God has not made us to carry every burden. Um, there are things in our families that should be very important to us. There are things in sort of our church that should be very important to us, and there's things in our community, kind of, and, and we might lengthen community a little bit, but in our community that should be very important to us. Um, I'm not saying that international suffering should not be important to us at all, but we don't have the capacity to take on every burden that we could potentially take on. And because we find out about these things, I mean, in real time, we, we find out about it right when it's happening, and immediately there, there sort of is this call for response, and, and there almost can be this guilt. I, th I think some people feel it very deeply, this guilt of like, how can I be sitting here enjoying an ice cream cone and like watching a football game while there's, you know, 
Israelites who were kidnapped and who are in Gaza. Um, I, I understand. I think that there's a level of that coming from a compassionate place, but I think that is taking on burdens that Jesus is not calling us to take on. Um, we cannot, we, we would never have the freedom to do anything if we were saying, how can I do this while there's suffering going on in the world? The, the fact is through most of human history, we just wouldn't have been aware of what was going on much outside of our communities. And so we would have been very aware and felt a, an appropriate responsibility for our family and for our extended family, and then for those in our community to help take care of the suffering. Um, we, we don't have that same sense. It's, it's weird because we're, we're more isolated by people who are actually in our community, and then we're more aware of things happening halfway around the world. I think we all would be more wise to say, um, where has God called me right now? And if you have a family, that's one of the key places that God has called you. He has called you to an appropriate, um, an appropriate burden for your family. Um, the church that you belong to, if you're a part of LBF Church or if you're watching this and you're a part of another church, whatever church you belong to, that is an appropriate burden that you'd say, when people in my church are rejoicing, I'm rejoicing. When people in my church are suffering, I'm suffering with them, and I'm looking to help um, financially, socially, emotionally, through prayers and, and all those sorts of things. And then we, we might widen it out to some other things, but I think it's okay when we're dealing with an international crisis, um, when we hear about it, we can pause and pray, which is the, the best thing that we can do. We can pray. And then I think it's okay after that, where unless we feel like God is really calling us to do something different, to then move forward with the responsibilities that God has called us to. Um, Jesus in Matthew 11, uh, he, he says the great thing where he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you for I am gentle and lowly in spirit, and, and you will have rest for your souls. Um, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. In, in other words, um, take the burden that I will give you uh, uh, upon you. And he says, by the way, it's light because he's gonna be walking with us in that. Um, we are called to take on the burden that Jesus has called us to take on. We are not called to take on every burden that we could possibly take on. That's not Jesus calling for us. So I think part of really looking to walk maturely with Jesus is the ability for us to say, he hasn't called me to that. And that's okay. I can pause, I can pray, I can have compassion, but I'm not going to take on sort of the emotional weight of everything that I could take on the emotional weight for. We're not made with the capacity to be able to do that. And, and so here's the difference. Um, I, I think some might hear this and might be like, this sounds kind of selfish. I'd say, all right, it, it might be selfish if, um, if I was saying, I don't want to be bothered by suffering going on around the world. I just want to sort of veg out and have some me time. You can make an argument that that's selfish. But if instead what I'm saying is, um, I don't have the capacity to be fixated with every tragedy that's happening around the world because God has called me to some specific things in my life. He's called me to my family. He's called me to my church. He's called me to my neighbors. He's called me to my community. So I am going to give myself to that calling and I'm not going to allow the fact that there's all kinds of things going on in other places to distract me from the calling that he has given me. That's very different. That's not selfish. That's living on mission. And it's okay to say, gosh, there should be people that are on the front lines of dealing with this tragedy. I'm not one of them right now. So I am gonna be on the front lines of what, God has called me to. 
And I think within this also, you know, some of us may become callous to the suffering that that's not good. Uh, man, I just, I, I know probably some of you listening to this, you, you have a hard time moving through life because you're constantly thinking about the tragic things going on, not only in our communities and, and in our country, but around the world. And what I want to invite you to do is cast your burdens on Jesus. And don't take on guilt if you're not fixated on those burdens that others are carrying. Genuinely ask the question. And it's okay to ask Jesus in the moment to say, is this a burden you're asking me to take on? Are, are you asking me to take on sort of the emotional weight of this or, or some special thing where I'm gonna be giving financially or I'm gonna be advocating in some way? And sometimes the answer is yes. There have been some times where I've heard about something um, with somebody that I know, and it's sort of, it's outside of my immediate responsibilities, but I really have sense that God is calling me to say, hey, get get involved in that. Like, enter into that drama and be on the front lines of that. Sometimes he may say yes, but most of the time he's probably gonna say no because we can't be involved in everything. And so commit that to prayer, commit your prayers to the Lord, commit your burdens to the Lord, and don't take on accusatory guilt from the enemy just because you're allowing yourself still to enjoy the good gifts God has given you even when there's suffering happening at other places in the world. There's obviously tons more that could be said about this, um, about each of the three areas that I've talked about. Um, and, and I'm happy if, if you have follow-up questions, if you have comments, feedback, if you're wanting to ask about something specifically like, well, what about this? Is Are the events happening right now in Israel fulfilling prophecy? Um, I, I don't I don't see that they are. Some people are saying that they are. Um, feel free to leave comments, questions, feedback on this uh, episode. Um, we, you can find all episodes of The Christian Contrast on our YouTube channel for Life Bible Fellowship Church. And you can also find them all on our website, lbf.church. And I always try to go back into the comments. And if there's comments or questions or, or paths for interaction, I love to do that. I love when we're engaging with each other on that. So if you have some feedback or you have a question or you're, you, you want to suggest like, hey, we, we need to follow up more info on this, I'm happy to read through that and, and interact with you on that. But thank you so much for taking the time to watch and to listen. Um, we'll be back in one week this time with a new episode of The Christian Contrast. Until then, thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Thank you.